Where does consciousness come from? It's very clear that our conscious experiences, whether cognitive, ideas, or emotional, our feelings, our feelings of attraction or repulsion, love, fear, and all our conscious experiences are clearly only the surface level, the tip of the iceberg. And beneath it and behind it lies layers and layers of what some perhaps call the subconscious or the unconscious. I call it the superconscious. So please join me in part two of this series. Part one, which we covered, is how consciousness is born. Six steps from the quantum superconscious to the conscious. In part one, we discussed the six stages of how consciousness evolves is from conception to the point of emergence. In this part two, we will discuss how about all those negative experiences in our lives that become embedded in our superconscious psyches, the traumas, the abuse, the hurt, and how do we deal with that? Hi, this is Simon Jacobson. Part two of our series, How Consciousness is Born. Six steps from the quantum superconscious to the conscious. This program is dedicated by Yitzchak Weiner in honor of Rabbi Simon Jacobson and Rabbi Yosef Levin, who have helped me better understand godliness and creation and better apply myself to the good within it. In part one of this series, we discussed, based on a text from one of the great Kabbalists, Rav Moshe Kardaviro, 16th century mystic, in his classic magnum opus called The Pardes, The Orchard, the six steps of how consciousness is born. Briefly, just to sum up, using the example that I gave, which is the example of the gestation of a child in pregnancy from the moment of conception when the egg is fertilized by the seed till nine months later, the child is born into a fully developed child. So the analogy works this way. At the moment of conception, all you have is one cell. One cell, which will then split and then split again and split again and again. And throughout the first and second and third trimester of the, gest of the pregnancy and gestation, gestation, the child will ultimately emerge. So in the beginning, when you only have one cell, you have no clue what's going to come from it. But today, we actually have imagery. And you can actually see a visualization of the process of how those cells split, and they ultimately develop into limbs and organs and the entire complex infrastructure of what defines a child a healthy human being. 
So using that analogy, the same idea, consciousness, think of consciousness as the child. But the child doesn't come from nowhere. It came from months of development. In this case, it's six stages. And what are the six stages that the Ramak, that's an acronym for Ramosha Cordoviro, the Kabbalists were referring to? The six stages is first, the moment of conception of consciousness within the superconscious. So it's still a completely quantum state, meaning it's not defined, and you barely, and, and you can, what he calls, you can't even define it as an entity yet. Then comes the next stage, it begins to become revealed. And revealed here doesn't mean consciously revealed, it means like with a cell, it begins to take on some type of form. Then it becomes defined as that state of consciousness, followed by another three steps, which prepare it, firstly, that it should be able to, this new state of consciousness within the superconscious should be able to contain all the other experiences that the psyche will have. And step five is that from there, the power that it should actually emerge and be born as a state of consciousness. And finally, the sixth step is exactly right before the birth, right before consciousness emerges. Now, in the Kabbalistic terminology, superconscious is keser, the crown, and the conscious is chachma, the first state of consciousness, the first revelation, so to speak. And you see from that, that is just the tip of the iceberg of everything going on behind the scenes. And we will discuss this more at length in part one, which you can find at MeaningfulLife.com on our YouTube channel, Meaningful Life Center. But in part two, I want to discuss something which is <laughs> vital to really take this to the next level. And that is, what about all the negative experiences in life? the traumas, the abuse, the hurt, the pain, all type of experiences that become embedded in our psyches. Some psychologists would call the unconscious or the subconscious. We're calling it the superconscious. How does that play itself out? In a sense, we're talking about the superconscious I discussed was all pre-birth. But then there's all these experiences that come through life that we may or may not be aware of. In many cases, we're not aware of. All those experiences that many of us go to therapy for that cause us all kinds of anxiety and stress and difficulties and fears and uncertainties and insecurities. How does that play itself into this picture? And we have to deal with that because we need to contend with those voices and with those forces. So let's talk about that. The part of this is talking about the pure development. Think of the pure development of a child. So in most circumstances, almost all circumstances, the child is protected from the pollutants and toxins of this world. Even if the mother is abusive, the pregnant mother, that is. So yes, in certain very extreme circumstances, where she may be drinking too much or, or drugs or other forms of self-abuse, can impact the child and the psyche of the developing child. But generally speaking, the womb protects the child from most of I would say all of the traumas outside. So there, there's a development, and with the health, development of a healthy child emerges a child that is intact in every possible way. I'll give an example for it. Think of it like the freshly fallen snow. 
So freshly fallen snow, you look at a child, there's a certain purity, innocence. It actually draws us because it's the best possible version. Even physically, look at how a child breathes, a healthy child. The lungs fill up with the capacity, 100%. As adults, we don't use all our lungs because toxins and pollutants have entered our systems. A child, the chest heaves up and down. And just that face, pure, freshly fallen snow. You ever wake up in the morning and you see the snow. But then people start walking on it. And the snow starts getting grayer and darker and harder. It's impacted by other humans. Same thing with a child. All of us were born in this purely freshly fallen snow. The six stages, well, there's nine, the nine months of the physiological and also, you can say, emotional and physical development of the child, but also the psychological development and spiritual development, the six stages that we spoke about, from the superconscious to the conscious. Now, that was just an example. The truth is the superconscious conscious is happening right now as well. But let's go back to the example. Now, what happens next? Then the child come, emerges into this world. The child is blessed. The parents will be, continue to be nurturing and protective and the snow will remain more pure than in most cases. But it's inevitable that the snow will start getting discolored. First of all, parents aren't perfect. Second of all, many parents are not that healthy. So all the experiences the child will experience, the first time the child is hurt in any way, lied to, duplicity, the pollutants and toxins of a hostile world, especially if you talk about abuse, whether it's overt, or it's more sublime, or subtle. Nevertheless, once a child is being invalidated and not nurtured, what happens? The freshly fallen snow is going undercover. So now the superconscious, that pure superconscious that we spoke about, that turned into the conscious, has now been affected and polluted by all kinds of experiences. So if we did not have to contend with or deal with the darkness of this world, so all you'd have is a, conscious, a consciousness or an example of the child. And now the, our mission is, so to speak, to connect and find out what's going on behind the scenes, behind the curtain, through the six stages, and, and reconnect our conscious lives to our superconscious, pure state. But now we're dealing with, a, with all kinds of other fat factors. Think of it like this. You have a garden, and you can focus all your time are nurturing and watering and cultivating the garden and the flowers emerge beautiful. But what happens if weeds start growing? Now you have to deal with the weeds. And when you start thinking about it, how much time do we spend fighting our demons? The voices of fear, insecurity, those naysayers, parents that were critical, judgmental, educators, a system. And I'm not trying to point fingers right now. The point is we're all dealing with all kinds of voices out there that have affect us deeply and turn us off and very insecure. We don't even want to know how much time we spend having to deal with that. And all the stress and anxiety and fears and insecurities that emerge from that and how it affects our relationships and affects how we interact with others, affects our ambitions, and sometimes our inability to really be the best we can be because of our own of being afraid our own fears. And where do you have time? A human being only has that many hours and that much energy. So you come exhausted at the end of the day fighting your demons 
and you don't have time to connect to the angels within you, the flowers. So what we have now is two forces at work here. Not just, usually we speak about it on the conscious level. Two conscious forces. One is, are you going to be a kind person or are you going to be a selfish person? Are you going to serve others or are you going to serve yourself? But here we're talking on a superconscious level because the superconscious has now also been impacted and within it is embedded the different traumas and abuses and hurts that have affected us. It could also be positive experiences, joys and other beautiful experiences. But it's more pronounced when it's a negative. The snow is no longer pure. So it's not just about connecting your conscious life to the pure child connecting to its source and roots in a deeper superconscious level. You're dealing now with all kinds of negative forces, with pollutants, with toxins. And you have to deal with that. As much as you would love to bring in, let's say, new furniture into your home, but if there's dust, you've got to clean up the dust. As much as you want flowers to emerge, you have to deal with the weeds. So now we have these two voices. Now the part of this, what we spoke about, is only the pure version. It does not talk about the negative version. So to understand really how we go deeper into this topic, and how do we address this other side of the superconscious, so-called, the polluted superconscious. We have to understand what the pure superconscious is like. And here comes the next big question. Where does the superconscious come from? We spoke about consciousness, where it's born and how it's born. But what about the superconscious itself? It's not the beginning of it all. It's also a state. It's true, it's a quantum state. It's an indeterministic state. It's, it's in a nebula state. It's a uh, amorphous, as we discussed. But it's still a state of being. And it has a relationship with our consciousness, even if we may not be able to enter that zone behind the curtain, but it definitely expresses itself. Like the example I gave with the reservoir. Not a perfect example. A reservoir of water is where the source, that the, the reservoir gathers water from the rain, from melted snow, from other sources. It delivers that water through arteries that travel who knows how many miles to the city where you're living. Goes through the main water mains until it gets to the pipes that enter your home. Those pipes in turn, those arteries break into, branch into smaller arteries and pipes. And ultimately that delivers the water to your sink, to your shower, to your faucet. So the drops of water coming out are like the consciousness. We don't see the reservoir. The example is not perfect because you could see the reservoirs. You just don't see it right now. But the idea is that behind the scenes lies a whole fo- series of forces that bring into the conscious, which is like the water that's dripping from the faucet, as I discussed in, the, in part one. But as I said, now we're dealing with pollutants that may be affecting this flow. And they are post-birth. The superconscious talked about the healthy version of the healthy development. We're talking about like a healthy child developing. It's not yet been exposed. But post-birth and the life that we live in this world has direct impact on that superconscious. Now, we're not talking about if a person gets a, a little cut in their finger, a Band-Aid is enough. Superficial. We're talking about if there's something more serious, an upheaval in our childhood, a divorce, a broken family, a loss, a tragedy, abuse, different traumas, sometimes imposed by humans, sometimes you can call it an act of God, act of nature, whatever you want to call it, but it affects us deeply 
then a band-aid is not enough. That has entered, seeped into your inner system. Literally, like God forbid, an infection that you did not nip in the bud and has entered into the bloodstream, God forbid, or into deeper parts of your being. We have to now deal with that. So think of it that way, that the superconscious is the purely freshly fallen snow from the superconscious to the conscious. And then we have now that, those pollutants. So where does the superconscious come from? The healthy, the pure form. So we'll quote another great 16th century, the greatest of them all, mystic, known as the Isaac Luria, the Arizal. He was actually a contemporary of Ramosha Cordovero of the Pardis. And he explains a concept called the Tzimtzum. The tzimtzum. What is the Tzimtzum? The Tzimtzum literally means concealment. And what does he explain? Just to use the language of that result, he says that before existence as we know it, the only thing that existed was a higher reality. I would use the word divine consciousness, but consciousness will be confusing with what we're describing. Because remember, the, the, the key thing to always ask yourself, when we say the conscious is only the tip of the iceberg, how about the superconscious? Superconscious. Is it conscious on the level of the superconscious? Is it conscious of itself? Well, I'll discuss that later, more details. But you could say on its level, it's conscious of itself. The thing is, we're not on that level. So we're only conscious of the tip of the iceberg, the faucet. The, bo- the born child, we don't see the forces beneath the, beneath the, behind the curtain. So in truth, is before the superconscious, there's this, we'll call it seamless, united, integrated, singularity, divine presence, a higher reality, and can't even be defined by the word superconscious, because that's already conscious, superconscious, that's already a state, a very high state, but it's still a state. This state of unity is so all-consuming, says that Rizal, that there's no room for anything else. Think of a teacher, a brilliant teacher, who's just speaking, like almost his infinite flow, it's called infinite life. I mean, a human being doesn't have infinite, but as an example, there'll be no room for students to be able to contain anything. They'll be completely overwhelmed. More than that, they won't even exist because the light is so all-dominating. So that infinite light, as he calls it, the Ein Sof, the Or Ein Sof, that infinite energy dominates. So what does the teacher do? The teacher has to then conceal, hide his brilliance to allow space for another entity to emerge the student. And then he can begin the flow. So that result says that space is called an empty space like a hole. A black hole if you wish, but not really a black hole. It's all conceptual, not a physical thing, a space that allows room for independent reality, which really is going to be an independent consciousness that will emerge from an independent superconsciousness. When I say independent I mean by that is that it's outside, it's, it's going beyond, after the symptom, and then comes a narrow flow, what he calls like a line and a thread, a thread of light, like a laser beam, from the teacher that he begins to spoon feed, so to speak, the student, step by step. That what? All coming from that infinite light that has now been restrained and concealed. So where does superconsciousness come from? Where does Kesser come from? From this state of the Ein Sof that's beyond it all. The state of a higher reality that's not even, we can't even call it superconscious reality. 
From there will emerge the superconscious. In the superconscious itself, there's two states. In addition, I mean, there's six steps, but in generally two states. One that's so concealed, that's completely out, or, uh, 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 meaning, when I say so concealed, meaning it's completely beyond our ability to access. And then there's the superconscious, the last three steps, that begins to relate to the conscious. It's still a superconscious state, but you can at least say it's hidden, but from there, the, that which is revealed consciousness will emerge from. So in a way, you could say the superconscious is an interface between the higher unity, the higher reality, and our conscious lives. So in that sense, what's the purpose? For us to become independent individuals, for that you need a concealment. If you understand the purpose of the concealment, you understand the whole point is that the, the concealment role is to do what? Is to allow for us to emerge. And if everything is going right, and we understand the meaning behind that concealment, and mis- not misunderstand it, we align ourselves, our conscious tip of the iceberg, with that which is beneath that, or behind the curtain, the six states, the general superconscious, and the six states of the superconscious as it evolves, and metamorphoses into consciousness. And that superconscious really leads us to the higher reality of the pre-tsimtsum. The pre-tsimtsum reality of total oneness and seamlessness. Now we mentioned before consciousness is itself chachma, that was the level of chachma, that flash of an idea, that first revelation, that first revealed state. So Chachmi, you could say, is the interface between Keser, between superconscious and the rest of the conscious faculties. The development of an idea in Bina, the emotions, the behavioral expressions, what we call the ten spheres. Those are the conscious faculties that we have evolved from those ten spheres, which in turn emerge from Chachma, the, con- the first birth of consciousness from the superconscious, which in turn connects us and that originates from that higher unity, that pre-symptom. Even though there are more levels, but that's the general picture. There are levels between the superconscious to the symptom. There's also stages. But what's relevant to us is just this, this point. Why is this so critical? Because that's who you are. That's what the paradise is saying. You, have, you are that child that's born. Your consciousness is actually the tip of the iceberg. It's just a, a drop. It's just the surface level of all these forces behind the scenes. Now let's go back to the other. What happens afterwards? But now the snow has now begun to lose some of its luster, some of its pristine quality because of life. Remember that Simpson, its purpose is to create an independent reality, an independent consciousness that should connect to the superconscious that will connect to the higher in integrated unity of seamlessness and so on. But what happens if you misunderstand the concealment? And you say, oh, you know what, here I am. I'm on my own. I'm a conscious human being. I do what I like. Self-interest begins to come into the picture. Ego, arrogance, narcissism, the root of all conflicts, the root of all divisiveness, the root of all our problems. What's happened? It's a misunderstanding of the purpose of the concealment. And now... Human beings begin to impact reality. So the pure, the pure consciousness, that, that the snow that fell from pure superconscious, that originates from the purity that pre-tsimps them, now has to deal with a distortion. And, but it's a real distortion. When Adam and Eve ate from the tree of knowledge, what happened? 
they went they followed their own consciousness instead of being aligned with their superconscious with a divine purpose it was essentially a dis- dissonance was born dissonance the disconnect between who you are and what you do between your life and your purpose between your existence and its and its higher calling and now the pollutants enter, the toxins enter. And that's why it's actually called the serpent. In the Garden of Eden, the serpent has venom. There's physical venom, there's spiritual venom. What's the venom? I'm on my own. I'm not connected to anything. That whole unity is something behind the scenes. Even though science today, and especially quantum mechanics, is very clear that everything is one integral unity. I'm on my own. I have my own interests. And it's a way the blind leading the blind. Because... We picked that up from our previous generation and parents and society and all the effects. And now it becomes a vicious cycle that goes all the way back to the tree of knowledge. Yes, the sin of the tree of knowledge, the first dissonance. All a result of that concealment. And now there are pollutants and toxins to contend with. Which affect not just the conscious levels, the superconscious level as well. So as I said, usually we think of the battle between two voices. The selfish voice and the selfless one. The survival and your survival, your existence, your existence and your transcendence. But here it's also on a superconscious level. Think of the twin brothers, Jacob and Esau. They were struggling not just when they were after they were born, in their mother's womb. Even on the superconscious level, they were already struggling. Two voices. Ultimately, this is the battle of our lives. So our battle is going on also on a superconscious level. Because now the pollutants and the toxins have affected us. When a child is hurt, a child is taken away from its parents or not nurtured, it begins to create that attachment disorder. And the child is looking for love. We all need love. We all need connection. The connection would have been the freshly fallen snow, the conscious to the superconscious to the pre reality. You can call the divine consciousness. There it's so, I mean, it's a divine consciousness, but it's conscious only on the divine level. We want to connect our consciousness to the superconscious to in turn to the divine consciousness, which is beyond everything. Which leads me back to what I asked earlier. Is the superconscious aware of itself? Is it conscious of itself? So there's actually two answers. Two, I'm sorry, the answer is there are two levels. There's a state where there is a certain element of consciousness. There's a state called Reisha Deleyesiade. It itself is not even aware of itself. Not because it's ignorant. Because it's beyond consciousness. Consciousness itself is an experience that's defined. Everyone thinks consciousness and awareness is everything. No, when you are one with your experience, the object and subject are one, it's not even a matter of not conscious. The fish is not conscious of it being in water because it's one. When you're so absorbed in a higher reality, you become one with it. You You melt, you dissolve within it. But now we have to contend with, as I said, the pollutants and the toxins. And here, the objective is this. We have to deal with the weeds that have now affected us. So the first thing we have to remember, these are weeds, it's not you. The real you is the definition in the pardis of the superconscious turning into the conscious. That's the real you. The freshly fallen snow, the pure you. What has happened to you in life, whether it's the, the, the duplicity, the hurt, the pain, the betrayals, everything that we carry our resentments and our angers and our envy, everything that affects us that we go to therapy for. 
That doesn't define you. You need to deal with it to some extent, and that's why we address it. But it's not you. The you is the pure superconscious, not the superconscious that's been polluted or toxified. That's the most, first most important thing to keep, keep in mind. Secondly, when you know that, then you know what you're fighting for. You're fighting to get that fresh, that fresh, fresh snow, that freshly fallen snow, that purity back. We're all going back to look for that um, rosebud in the classic Citizen Kane. The rosebud of our lives, that innocence. But now you have to also deal with life. So it's not just about cleaning up the dust and weeding the garden. It's dealing with it to some extent because the infection has entered, so you need to do that. But you have to also remember, besides the fact that it defi- does not define you, it also can make you stronger. That which doesn't hurt you can make you stronger. Just as it is in the immune system. The body will go fight infections, will do whatever it takes. And then the, immunities, immunities, the immune system gets stronger every time it wins a battle. The same thing here. When you can access your healthy superconscious, it will help you not just clean up and clean out the toxins. The toxins themselves can teach you things to become even more refined and to actually become a stronger person. So the healthy superconscious becomes, plays such an important role because it's not just about fighting demons. Many people tell me they go to therapy and all that, and they're fighting their darkness. That's what they do most of the time. We want to go further. We want to say no. You're fighting the darkness only to eliminate the dust so you can bring in, so you can allow your flowers, your angels to emerge. And indeed, the more you know about your healthy superconscious and its six stages, the more it helps you fight that darkness and ultimately harness it, direct it, channel it toward being an ally. You transform those vices into something that makes you stronger and healthier. Now, the question is, how deep you have to go into the healthy superconscious for this purpose? And that's why we have six stages. Because each stage goes deeper. Remember, the highest stage, where it just begins the conception, that's the hardest to reach. But like it is with, God forbid, when a person needs surgery or any other deeper intervention, depends how, how deep the burn is, how deep the injury is, and the wound. If it's deeper, you got to go deeper. So we have these six steps. Each step necessary because when you go there, you can go back into the engine room of your superconscious, higher than your conscious, which can help you clean up anything that in some way polluted or toxified your conscious life. Because you're going into the superconscious where you're where that where those negative forces, negative voices are embedded, and you're cleaning it out from there. And each of the six positive levels of the superconscious, as they as they evolve into the conscious are all deeper levels in that engine room that requires sometimes a rewiring to be able to clean up that part that has been somewhat hurt. So real abuse hurts also our superconscious. That's why it affects us so deeply. As I said earlier, it's not a, superfi- it's not a superficial cut. But we have all the artillery we need to resolve it. That's the key thing to remember. No matter how deep the injury may be, it didn't begin with that. And that which can be broken can be fixed because you didn't originate. The child was not born with any of these pollutants. They came afterwards. So now we have to just go back. It's not always that easy, but we're going back to a place, as I often point out, 
Yes, it's not just the id, there's also the yid, the pintle yid. The id, in Freudian language, is the driving sexual pleasure principle, all about me, me, me. And it's only controlled by superimposed ego and superego. But we have a pintle yid, a spark, a pilot flame that's burning all the time. It may, have been, it may be in concealment, it may be dormant, but it's not completely dormant. It's affecting you all the time. And that's the healthy superconscious we're talking about that connects you all the way to the integral unity that's higher than it all. Sometimes referred to as Yechida. The Yechida, the fifth highest level of the soul, which connects to Yachid, to the oneness of the higher singularity. So Yechida can be the higher level of Keser, which is the higher level of superconscious. Chaya would be the lower level of superconscious. The conscious would divide to Nefesh, Ruach, Neshama, are the conscious faculties that we spoke about. But the Yechidah connects to the highest level of Yachid, of total oneness, seamlessness, pre-symptom. And when you access that, that can help you counter the toxins and the pollutants that have affected the, not just the conscious, but also the superconscious of a human being. And that's where you have it all come together. And that's why it's so important to understand the healthy version of who you are. Don't ever buy into the narrative that you are damaged goods, that you are a product of your circumstances. Definitely not a victim of circumstances, but not even a product. Because the circumstances affected you and may affect you deeply, but there's something far greater than that. And that's what we're discussing, the birth of consciousness, how consciousness was born, the six steps from the quantum superconscious to the conscious. So in part three, the next part of this series, we will continue discussing those six steps and how they can be used to counter all the negative, but more importantly, to bring out the flowers and the beauty that you are. This has been Simon Jacobson. It's part two of our series, of our new series, How Consciousness is Born. Six steps from the, from the quantum superconscious to the conscious. If uh, you enjoyed this program, please share it with others. You can hear part one at our site, MeaningfulLife.com, or go to our YouTube channel, actually, Meaningful Life Center, and please subscribe there and share this with others. I'd love to hear your feedback, your comments, and your thoughts, your questions, as well as check out the wide array of all kinds of materials, all focused on understanding ourselves better in order to be able to live up to our greatest potential and align our consciousness to our superconscious all the way to the highest levels of the unified higher reality. Be well and be blessed. Thank you. This program is brought to you by the Meaningful Life Center. Please help us continue our programs. Make even a small contribution at MeaningfulLife.com donate.